Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Are you ready for a little religion reality check? Listen to these numbers drawn from a recent Gallup poll. Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline last year, dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. In 2020, 47% of Americans said they belonged to a church, synagogue, or mosque, down from 50% in 2018 and 70% in 1999. What is going on? Let's put that question to Dr. Jennings, who joins us via Skype. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, when we walk down the sidewalk of an American town, it's possible that less than half of the people we meet belong to an organized religion. Why do you think that is? The reason we're seeing the numbers fall is because the demographics in our country are changing. The older generation, the silent generation, those born between 1928 and 1945, 84% identify as Christian. Mm -hmm. Boomers born up until like 61, 76% identify. Gen X, which is up to like 1981, 67%, but then the millennials, since like 81 or something like that, the millennials, 49% identify themselves as Christian. So the older generations are dying off and the younger generations are taking over their position in the population. Mm -hmm. So generational change is happening with our belief system. Now, the question is, why are the younger generations no longer believing in God? You know, as a biblical principle, you reap what you sow. If you sow sesame seeds, you get sesame plants, okay? (laughs) You reap what you sow in nature, you reap what you sow in life. And what we have sown as a society for several generations now, and it's it's taking its impact, is godless evolution in our school systems. Mm -hmm. We teach children there is no God, that we evolved from slime, that there is no higher power, that we're on our own, and that those who believe in God are naive and foolish, even though the scientific evidence is overwhelming that it is impossible for us to have any form of life, animal or plant life, on its own without an intelligent designer behind it. When the the evolutionary theory first came out, the science wasn't there to prove it, but now the science is overwhelmingly persuasive for intelligent design or creator God viewpoints, yet we are in a world in which reality is no longer valued. It's one's feelings and what one chooses to believe. And what's very interesting is what evil or liars always do, the evil liar will do evil, but then then they will blame the innocent for the evil. And so what you'll see now is that those who believe in godless evolution have a worldview that is not based on actual evidence or science. It's based on blind faith that requires them to deny the evidence or the science of intelligent design. And then they turn around and claim that anybody who believes in God believes on blind faith and won't follow the science, mm-hmm. which is classic what they do. Sadly, though, many Christians have bought into the the lie being projected upon them because their teachers tell them, the, the media tells them, and sadly, many pastors tell them that faith is believing without evidence, and we don't need science, we have faith. Well, that is actually not what biblical faith is. Biblical faith is the substance of things hoped for, and, and the Greek word for substance is humanity 
hypostasis from where we get hypo, the first half hypo, hypoglycemic, hypotensive, it means low or under, and stasis means standing. It was translated into Latin, substance, face of the substance, subway, subterranean. The first half means under, stance, take a standing, and so faith is our understanding of things hoped for. The more our understanding of reality and the more accurate understanding of reality, the stronger our faith in the creator God is. And so let me just give you one irrefutable evidence of the creator God, and that is all life in every form as we know it requires three elements. It requires physical matter, requires energy, and it requires the coded information in the DNA. Not simply DNA molecules, which function like letters in an alphabet, they have to be arranged in ways in which they code for information, just like letters in an alphabet make words, and those words are arranged to make sentences, and those sentences are arranged to make paragraphs and chapters to convey information that's actionable and usable. All living organisms have to have DNA coded in a way that actually produces actionable, usable information, and there is no naturalistic explanation for information coding. It requires an intelligence, and so any thinking scientist knows this, and therefore to to suggest that there is no intelligence behind life is the height of denial of reality and is maintained only on blind faith. And thus what's happening in society today is that young people are, are being propagandized with a false worldview that there is no God, but it requires the denial of actual evidence. You bring up an interesting point here. When scientists 150 years ago or 100 years ago were saying, you know, there's no God, there's evolution, and then scientists and then the people in general said, oh, good, there's no God, we're gonna, we believe in science. And then science turned around over these last decades and said, well, there's got to be some intelligence here driving this, and now people are saying, well, we don't believe in science. There's a switch going on there. They deny what the science says, while they continue to uphold science as being superior to scripture, yeah. they actually deny what the science reveals because it doesn't fit with the narrative that they want. You see this all across society right now. And what's made Christians vulnerable for this is because Christianity comes out of the dark ages in which there were many superstitious and nonsensical things taught that were contrary to how reality actually works, how science works. And therefore, there were several hundred years where science actually was more practical, applicable, mm -hmm. reasonable, sensible than some of the superstitious silly things that were being taught in certain circles within religions of the world. And so people said, oh, that's more predictable and reliable. And what people want is they want teachings, truths, beliefs that actually make sense, predictability, reliability, actionable information. And, and they now falsely believe that a godless worldview makes more sense than a god worldview because the historical god worldview is an irrational, punishing, authoritarian, fear-inducing god that is actually contrary to what scripture teaches. You know, you're absolutely right, because even as I was growing up, when I was a kid, sometimes I would hear things in church, or I would hear things preached on the radio or whatnot, and I'd say, well, that that just doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. And instead of rejecting God outright, I went looking for the God that is actually there. And I have a feeling that you followed that journey as well, Dr. Jennings? Well, yeah, that's right. But one of the problems has been in Christianity is contradictory things that are nonsense. For instance, from the Dark Ages Church, you were told by the church that if you were to commit murder, you're committing a mortal sin and you will go to hell. But if you go on the Crusades and kill people, you can have all your sins erased and go to heaven. Yes, yes. There were contradictory, irrational, nonsense things that were taught. Today, 
today, this persists in less, shall we say, uh, gross ways when people fail to be able to take parables, metaphors, symbolism that the Bible teaches, like teachers do. We use metaphors, we use analogies to try to help people comprehend concepts that are beyond their current level by giving something they can reference or make a simile towards. And the Bible is filled with this type of imagery, but then people take it concretely and literally and fail to understand the true meaning behind it. And what they instead do is they create fantasy. Because when you have a metaphor, metaphors are only metaphorical when they're connected to reality. They're pointing to some reality, and the goal is to find the reality to which it's pointing. If you fail to connect it to the reality, then you're teaching fantasy, and much of religion is fantasy. An example would be this idea in some circles that when you take the symbolic communion wafer, which Jesus said, this is my body broken for you, and it was a symbol. When Jesus said in John 6, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. The Jews of his day, the, the religious leaders took him very literal and got offended. He's teaching cannibalism. Of course he wasn't teaching cannibalism. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the word made flesh. And as you take either a lamb's meat or you take a piece of bread into your body, it is broken down into molecules that become building blocks to your body. And so the word, Jesus made flesh, when we take of Jesus, we take of the words of truth. And those words of truth becomes building blocks uh, of our ideas, our belief systems, our constructs, and lead us out of darkness into an ever-increasing wise discernment of reality. So that's how we partake of Christ. But people failing to abstract and see the true meaning, then millions of people, billions of people have been taught through the generations that when you do the communion wafer and it's blessed by somebody in a certain language you can't speak anymore, then as it passes the lips and gums and goes down into the esophagus, it actually turns into human flesh, and you're a cannibal in the flesh of Jesus. This is ludicrous. This is not what the Bible teaches, and so any thinking person comes along, laughs at that, thinks it's complete silliness, and then they say, anybody who would teach that kind of stuff, why would we even believe in something like that unless young thinking people leave the church? All right. Well, in the three minutes we have left here in the program, Dr. Jennings, we have millennials listening to the show right now. What do you say to these people who look at us, who look at the Christian world and go, you guys are nuts? How do you deal with that? How do you reach those people? Well, I would say God is the God of creation. He's the God of reality. His laws are the laws upon which reality work. Laws of physics, laws of gravity, laws of health, the laws of reality. There are many of them, including the laws how your mind works, how your relationships work. You either live in harmony with them and get healthier, or you break them and you have health-related problems. God is the source of life, health, and goodness, and harmony with him brings healing, breaking away from him. He cries like your parent cries when you decide to smoke cigarettes and you get lung cancer. You're never being punished by by an infliction of an arbitrary God for breaking rules. That's how humans do things. The punishment comes when you break God's law, when you injure and damage and harm yourself, your family, and your friends. And God is always seeking, just like a loving parent, to pick us up, bandage us up, heal the wounds, and restore us back to life and health if we'll cooperate. What keeps us from doing that are these false, distorted views of God that make him somebody we feel falsely we need to be protected from, and we then create all these religious rituals that hide us from God, and people go, that makes no sense to me. Why would I want a God like that? So I invite you to come back to the Creator God who built reality, learn how he built things, and begin making intelligent choices, live in harmony with it, you will really find joy, life, health, and happiness. That's how reality works. And then, Dr. Jennings, how on earth do you move someone in the church who believes in this, all I can say is false image of God, how do you change their hearts so that they become the witness that those people who don't believe need to meet and hear and, and talk to. 
I don't change anybody's hearts and I never try to change anybody's hearts. My goal is to lift the truth and present the truth. We're sowers of seed, seeds of truth. We spread the seed and the seed falls on some, some fertile soil, but much of it falls on the path and some of the hard soil Jesus talked about. We're representers and presenters of truth. Those who have hearts receptive to truth, it will take root and sprout and be transformative. But that's the Holy Spirit's work to make the seeds grow in people's heart. It's not mine. So I don't really try to change people. I just want to present the truth in the most effective way and let the Holy Spirit work on the hearts that are receptive to truth. There There's the teamwork, Dr. Jennings. You identified it. There's the teamwork. We present the truth. We find the truth. We study for the truth. We present the truth. And it's the Holy Spirit that goes in there and actually moves the heart of someone else. Am I right in saying that? All transformation is a work of God on the heart, whether the person acknowledges God or not. If you see them moving toward grace, kindness, love, mercy, compassion, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit working upon them. Well, then we have a work to do, Dr. Jennings. Everyone listening to this program who is a God lover, who is a Christ believer, who is a Bible follower, we have the job in our power to learn, to share, to love, to demonstrate what Jesus is all about. And then the Holy Spirit takes over and makes the change in the heart. And that takes a lot of pressure off of us, Dr. Jennings, right? And that's part of the problem. When we have design law, we, we do it like you're saying. But when we have the human law, then we feel this obligation to make people comply, yes, and then we yes. want to put pressure on them. Yes. And that always causes rebellion instead. So, yes, no pressure, truth, love, leave people free. That's God's way. Oh, that is wonderful news for every Christian listening to the program right now. Here's some more good news for you. Comeandreason.com has a lot of resources available to help you on your journey and on your ministry and on your witness. There are sharing tracks there the design laws of God, how to resolve your feelings of guilt, the infinite sacrifice of Christ. These are just some of them. Also, Dr. Jennings' books, The Aging Brain, Could It Be This Simple, The uh, God-Shaped Brain, The God-Shaped Heart. All these are available blogs and television programs to watch and radio programs to listen to, podcasts. They're all right there at comeandreason.com. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for clarifying this and, and showing us where to go. We appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Together.